Welcome, Isabel. I'm really happy to have you here with me for this episode of our podcast. You are the founder of Umgekrempelt, which is a sustainable fashion store in Mannheim. It's very close to our university and we have collaborated a couple of times already. You've been a guest lecturer in our lectures and I've always been amazed by the power that you bring into this field and really the deep thoughts about this sustainability in fashion. So I'm really happy to have you here to talk about this topic with you. And to start off, I would like to ask you to tell us a bit about yourself. So what is your background? What is the story of you starting to work on sustainability in the fashion industry? Yeah. Hello. Thanks very much for introducing. Um, my name is Isabel. And yeah, actually, I'm, I have this store called Umgekrempelt. Maybe it's interesting to translate this into English as well. <laughs> um, so it means turned upside down. And that is, yeah, the main point we want to focus on in the fashion industry because we really need a huge change we need a revolution in this and that's what we are going for so i started seven years ago um yeah this this journey of my retail store before i went to the normal fashion stores as well i confess this was <laughs> new to me and there was this um, factory collapse in Rana Plaza, Bangladesh in 2013. And it changed um, the perspective on this topic for many people and for me as well. So uh, more than 1000 people died, uh, a lot more were injured. So it was really, um, yeah, bad uh, collapse of this uh, factory and uh, many people started to think about it. It was in the news really big and so on. But what we see then, uh, it's in the news for maybe two weeks and then it's over again. But I continued to search for good alternatives because in the in the beginning, in the news, you see the bad things and then I went for the, the positive change directly because it's not my thing to focus on the bad. So I searched for alternatives and I found many of them, but I could not find them in Mannheim where I lived at the moment. Um, so I, yeah, I started to think about this. I was not very happy with my, my job in, in sales at the, at the moment that I did. Um, so the idea became more and more concrete. Um, what I added to this was um, my experience with my grandma. So she was always repairing my jeans. Mm -hmm. This was not funny for me when I was 16 because I wanted those holes on the knees, but she could not um, bear them. So in the night, when I was sleeping, she would always repair my jeans and they were, were repaired in the morning. And we had this fight in the morning about the jeans. So in the end, I, I would take my jeans into uh, the bed with me when for sleeping to avoid her to do this. Today, I'm really happy that she taught me how to repair jeans. And um, I compared those two things in my retail store. So the good alternatives that I found in fair fashion brands that really produce in a good sustainable way mm -hmm. and those repairs of your favorite pair of jeans that you really love and you are happy when we uh, can give them a second life and mm -hmm. you can use them for a longer time. So for me, this, these last seven years, I changed from 
buying normal fashion to um, really having a close look to my wardrobe, which also means what is already in there? Do I really need to buy something new? What do I have? If I don't use it, where can I give it to? So somebody else can use it and then repair my clothes. And if I really need something new, buy it in a good way. Maybe we can actually stick with the business model of Umgekrempelt for a bit. You already said it's a combination of, on the one hand, you offer other products than maybe the typical fashion store. And on the other hand, you offer services like repairs. Now you talked about Rana Plaza as well. So can you tell us a bit about where you see the biggest problems in the fashion industry and how do you try to tackle those in the business model of Umgekrempelt? Yeah, actually the the biggest problems that I see they always start with over so it's over consumption over production <laughs> we have a lot too much in every field so all the companies they produce a lot too much every uh, individual uh, customer consumes too much buys too much and we need less on in all of those steps I see here the the hugest problem and um, That's why we go for those repairs. Mm -hmm. And we start with the question, what do we really need? Mm -hmm. Which is not natural for a retail store because we need to earn our money as well. Mm -hmm. But that's why we, um, we try to offer different things so the people can start from the point where they are at the moment. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of customers, they say, Oh, I love secondhand shopping. That's that's my favorite. Okay, we have underwear for them. <laughs> Then we have a lot of people that say, um, yeah, my, my wardrobe is full. I don't need anything. Mm-hmm. They want to buy gifts for the for mm-hmm. uh, other people. So we offer nice gifts with a special value with, with a social impact to them. Mm-hmm. So... And then you have people with their favorite pair of jeans that has a hole in it. So we offer the repairs. Or you can go to a workshop um, and learn how to repair your jeans. So for every uh, group of sustainable lifestyle, we have an offer. Mm -hmm. So it's for us okay to sell less new jeans, for example, in the first place. But... Um, if we go to a long-term perspective, if those favorite genes are repaired and repaired again, and then after some time, it will not be possible. So they really need a new pair of genes. Then I'm sure they will first come to our store and check if we have those new uh, genes for them. So it's long-term marketing (laughs) for us. Maybe we can actually talk a bit about this fast versus slow fashion, because I think what you are kind of proposing is a completely different understanding of how we consume fashion. We are not seeking the newest styles every couple of weeks or trying to have the newest stuff, but really it's a change in the logic how we consume, right? Yeah, I prefer the term style over fashion. Mm -hmm. I think we need more style. I love people that have style. They know what they want to wear. They know what they like. Mm-hmm. And they buy their style. They are not interested in what is the newest fashion trend of this month. It's not interesting for them. And I think it's it's not interesting for me. So I, 
I have a fashion store, but I'm not interested in fashion, but in style. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's the main difference. And slow fashion, we use the term fashion in that. Um, it's not a product. It's an attitude. Mm -hmm. It means that you don't consume uh, fashion in the normal way, in this really fast mm -hmm. way that is normal in our times. We have to say it like that. Um, but you, you ask yourself, what do I need? What do I have? How can I get it in a good way? It's all those questions and this really trying to, to, um, to use your clothes, to love them, to repair them. This, mm -hmm. this is this slow fashion attitude that we want to support in our store. So if you look at the customers out there and the customers in your store, who are your typical customers? And do you see a change in attitudes in the wider public over the last years? Or is it still this small bubble of people who are interested in slow fashion? For sure, there is this bubble of people. They are really interested in a sustainable lifestyle in general, but for fair fashion uh, in special, They search for us on the internet and they find us and they come really um, on purpose. They they um, go through the door and they say, I'm really happy that I found you finally. <laughs> so they know what they're searching for. Mm -hmm. But we see in the last year um, more and more people that um, like discover us. They, we are their first uh, touching point with uh, sustainability mm -hmm. topics in, in their everyday life. Mm -hmm. So they they come and maybe a friend told them go there they have they have uh, nice things and they come a bit shy and they is it all about with this um, mm -hmm. fair and slow fashion and then we we explain to them and because we have a lot of prejudices like from the 80s mm -hmm. that fair fashion is really expensive and it's really ugly and you <laughs> see that it's fair fashion. <laughs> which is not true at all for mm. today's fair fashion. Um, this is about our customers. So we have those two groups, the, the pros that uh, are in the topic for years already and the new ones mm -hmm. that we love a lot because there we have the biggest impact, I mm -hmm. think. Mm -hmm. um, and like in the wider public, I see unfortunately a lot of greenwashing in the big companies. Mm -hmm. If you go to, to the city center in Mannheim, you see sustainability claims mm -hmm. in every window, in every window. Let's and those companies are not so sustainable. Maybe they, they take also their first steps to a more sustainable business model. Mm -hmm. I hope so, really. What do you think is the status quo of the mainstream fashion industry and what are the biggest changes that would need to happen to make them more sustainable, really, and not just talking about sustainability? Yeah, it's this switch from fast fashion to slow fashion, but it's a change in the business model. Mm -hmm. You cannot continue with your normal business model of fast fashion and then put a little sustainable um, coat outside. It will not work because the core is still fast fashion. Mm -hmm. So if you go and have new, new trends every two weeks, it, it will never be sustainable. Mm -hmm. So if you want to change it, you need to change Yeah, this business model. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if those companies will survive this change mm -hmm. because it's it's their philosophy. 
But this philosophy, in my eyes, it's my personal opinion, can never be sustainable because it goes for you buy this and next week you buy something new. Mm. And um, they start those programs of recycling and stuff that you can bring the cloth back and you, you get 10% discount or whatever, which is like, please buy more because we give you the discount. And recycling is a difficult topic because if you go read research about this, it's not really possible. Mm -hmm. They do a lot of research and try to recycle clothing, but it, at the moment, it's it's difficult. I think especially with a mixed fiber, right? Yeah, and you need the best would be to have uh, 100% cotton. Mm -hmm. But look at at the clothing that is sold, 100% mm -hmm. cotton. It exists, but it's really rare. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We have uh, jeans made of 100% cotton, but it's like um, we can use it for marketing because it's so special. <laughs> Given all of these observations you have of the industry, you've tried to come up with a very innovative way of how to create a shop. And I know from a lot of stories about founders that, of course, This is tough, right? The first years are filled with ups and downs. And maybe you can share some of your experiences with our audience. So how was it for you to found this company, the store? And what were the biggest challenges? How did you manage those? Um, I mean, the, the challenge is in our business model that we want to sell on the long term. But of course, we need the money on the short term as well like like every business needs so um what we built up over the last years is a really strong relationship with our customers but that was not of course like this from the beginning because you need to build this relationship and you, you need time for it mm -hmm. so um there were many moments that i did not know how I can continue, but I found always a way. And I always had this big why in my head, and this helps a lot. I knew why I wanted to do this because mm -hmm. this store didn't exist in Mannheim and I wanted it to be here. So mm -hmm. I created it and I go for it. And especially the last two years were special. <laughs> We had many months of um, the doors closed. And this why helped also in, in these times. I mean, um, yeah. When it was um, really tough, I sent an email to my, to my customers. Uh, so we have we have a really strong list and a strong relationship because I share a lot of personal stories also on this channel over this email list. Um, so I I said, look, I I will um, I will get a child and I need I need your support. I need a little money in the background for whatever could happen, mm -hmm. and I. I collected direct credits from more than 20 people mm -hmm. and had this background without going to, to the bank. And it was like a community funding for my retail store during the first time of my motherhood. So this was really a fascinating thing. And I'm so, so grateful for this community that I had already built up 
during the first uh, five years. I think that's a super fascinating aspect. I heard from a lot of companies, especially the ones who are very sustainable and who are really making a great effort to be sustainable, that they also have a strong stakeholder network. So strong ties based on trust with their stakeholders. Do you think this is really something that can make a small company like yours more resilient in times of crises? And is this something that you would advise other companies to follow? Yeah, I think it's really the most important point that helped us through this crisis. Otherwise, I think I, I would, ha would have to give up. Mm -hmm. it's, it was really, um, I told them the truth. I, looked, I, I told them, look, the door of the store is closed. We need to do something. Um, we have here a lot of, for example, socks and underwear. Please uh, look in your wardrobe do you need something please order and we will bring it by bike to you so okay. we found a solution and they were happy to help us mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it got more and more difficult with every lockdown because people were tired in the end of helping and they needed to help themselves mm -hmm. but in the very beginning it was we we had orders on all channels and we had a lot to do and we delivered all our underwear that we had in store And people were happy to help us. Mm -hmm. So, and it's it's really this personal connection because I shared, um, yeah, I shared the the situation with them how it really was, because especially in this um, crisis the last two years, like every individual was in his or her bubble. Mm -hmm. And maybe you were stuck in the home office or you were really busy, busy because working in the hospital or whatever. And it, nobody had time to really look at the problems mm -hmm. others had. So um, they were also grateful that I shared the, the retail perspective with them mm -hmm. and gave them the opportunity to help me with something really they could have in their hands so they spent 10 euros on socks and they helped mm -hmm. and they had socks <laughs> so okay. it was this um easy solution and also what you mentioned with the credits i think it's fascinating i mean that also you had this idea to just approach and reach out to your stakeholder network uh, and it's kind of great to see this cohesion and support right yeah and and they they told me things like like i i met every every single one of them and we sat together and we had a coffee together and then we signed signed a contract so um but we talk about a thousand euros or more for every single um person of them and they said I'm really happy then that, that I can give you my money because it's on my bank account and nobody does anything with it. Mm -hmm. And you do something useful with it. And here is my money. I'm really happy that I can help you. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. So maybe coming towards the end of the interview, I would like to reflect with you a little bit on your learnings also from these last seven years, I think it was, right? So I guess we started at the same time uh, around 15, 16, uh, when I also started in Mannheim. So if you look back at that time and now think about people who are just uh, starting their own sustainable companies or projects, what would you advise them? Like, what are your biggest learnings from these years? 
I already mentioned my huge why that I had clear in my mind. I think that's really the most important thing to have this clear because uh, there will be difficult times mm -hmm. independently from what is going on outside. There will be difficult times. It's, it's the normal thing, normal life. So have your why. And I would also recommend to question the status quo because I'm not from the fashion industry. And what I can see is that I do not take for granted certain things. Mm -hmm. So I say, why do we do this like that? We could do it in, a, in another way. And if you come from the fashion industry, you would never question that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is... Um, a good part of the work that I'm doing at the moment. So really, because I now have more ideas how I want to have this change also mm. in the in our um, purchasing process, for, for example, with mm. our uh, producers, because normally we, we have to buy everything one, one year um, before and I really want to change this because it's, I think it's not sustainable and then I, I tell them and they, they tell me no we need it like that and we, we discuss and um, yeah let's see how far I can get with my with my arguments but um, it's important that I'm not from the fashion industry because I only only that's why I start this discussion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really questioning the status quo. I think that's a basic mechanism of social entrepreneurship and sustainable business, right? Yeah, where we really can change the things because it's not enough um, in the in the whole situation we have to change little details. Yeah. It's about the more fundamental change in the whole system. Mm -hmm. That's why we need the social entrepreneurs, I guess. Yes, and I think in many cases, they are more than just founders and managers of their own business. They are really inspiring the systems and can lead to substantive systems change. And yeah, I could talk about this for probably a lot longer, but we are already coming towards the end of the interview. So there is one last question that I always like to ask our podcast guests, and that is, if you could post one sentence on social media, which the whole world would read right now, what would it be? There are many things that we could say, but... Take care of your favorite pair of jeans and uh, love it for as, as long as you can. That's a nice one. So Isabel, thank you so much. Hope to see you soon in your store. And in the case, if anyone is listening who is based in Mannheim, please visit Isabel and see the store. It's actually really, really nice. I wish you all the best for your future business activities and also the advocacy awareness raising activities that you are conducting. Happy to see you in the classroom, maybe sometime soon. And thanks a lot to our audience as well for listening in. So I would say bye-bye and have a great rest of the day. <laughs>